January is Restoration Church's 75th anniversary. So the whole month we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna have some guest speakers and eat some cake. It's gonna be a great time and you don't wanna miss it. So get your notebooks ready, get your pens ready, and prepare your hearts to hear a message from God this morning. Restoration Church, how are you doing? Yeah, it's great to see you all here on this uh, first Sunday of the year and the first Sunday of our 75th year as a church, which is really, really amazing if you think about it. I think um, a couple of things happen with churches. One, they can, it's hard for them to get past 25 years. So that's a difficult thing. It's a difficult transition. And then um, churches you know, many historic churches that are around for a long time, it's hard for them to stay true to the gospel of Jesus. So sometimes as a church gets older and older, they become more about themselves and less about the good news of Jesus. And so at 75 years, one, we're still here, so we're celebrating that. Um, and two, we're still talking about Jesus. And, and that's um, amazing thing. So we're celebrating... I've got some guests on the stage who are going to introduce themselves to you, but first want to make sure, we just want to say um, welcome. So we're here in Dover, but uh, hello to the Plymouth location, to the Milton location, to everybody joining us and online. Uh, there's a lot of us uh, participating today, and we're just praying that as we, as we talk and as we, as we share, that God is going to use this and as right before worship, right before we walked on stage, I was thinking, who do I want this to benefit the most? And for me, it's everybody here who's probably age 20 and under. What I hope is um, that you're going to hear stories of generations, which are going to allow you to say, you know what, I'm going to serve Jesus the rest of my life. And from the conversations here, that you guys pursue the call of your life with great faith and great boldness, and that you slingshot past anything that any of us have ever been able to be used by God to do, and uh, that we get the privilege of coming and sitting on your stage one day and, and hearing and celebrating the things that God have done. Well, let's do some introductions. All right, because although these guys are well known to me and they and I am well known to them, not everybody is familiar with who they are. So um, why don't you go first? Tell us your name and tell us um, tell us when you when you served at the church and and yeah, let's start with that. Okay, well, hello, I'm Pastor Glenn, and I was Nate's youth pastor from probably '96 or '94. '94, I think. '94 on to 2000. 2001 and in there, so um, that's what we did, and uh, I'm, I'm looking at a miracle right here, because I would never saw this coming. 
So um, I was blessed, really blessed to be Nate's pastor at that time and, and really blessed to see that the fruit remains. You know, that's just such a blessing because that's what God calls us to. He calls us to fruitfulness that remains, you know, and so I'm just so glad to be here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, it's good. People are like, man, there's a lot of gray hair for a youth pastor, but it was a lot of years ago. <laughs> this is mostly you. This was mostly Nate's doing. <laughs> well, you're up. Tell us who you are when you, when you served here. Okay. My name is David Blakeney, and uh, I was the senior pastor here from January of 1999 until August of 2011. And uh, so I also lived through the past eight years. Uh, he was in Bible college when I took the... I was a senior in high school when you started at the church. Oh, you were a senior in high yep. school. Okay, so... Um, and uh, uh, so I saw him grow and uh, had the privilege of asking him to work with me. And uh, we had so much fun together. Saw amazing growth. Saw God do some pretty incredible things in the years that we were here. And um, Pastor Glenn was, was my youth pastor when I first started. Then he went off and began to work in Dover here, I believe, for a while. And we've maintained some contacts down through the years. But it's exciting to see what God's done. And uh, I can tell you one of the greatest things you ever did was get out of that building in Barrington and move to Dover. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that, yeah. Um, so just, uh, so I was 13 years old and my sister, I was finally old enough. My sister drove me to youth group and it was, um, uh, me, it was her, her boyfriend, me and Chris Dubois, who also pastors the church in Dover here. And, uh, we were the four people at youth group that night. It had just begun, just started. And so a lot of, a lot of years. And then, and then, um, obviously I remember I've got this one memory before you were pastor of us overnight lock-in and, and you were chaperone and Glenn was the chaperone. I think that might have been the night you punched Christian Page. I did. It's a miracle any of you are alive today. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of fun. So, and then we've got another guy here. If you're here in Dover, you recognize him because he, he attends here, but a lot of people don't know your background. So introduce yourself and tell us when you served at Restoration Church. Well, my name's Bob Oldberg and... Uh, we uh, uh, got some children here, grandchildren. You got some great-grandchildren great here grandchildren in the room, too. as well. So we got a long line here, folks. Uh, we graduated from CBC in 1959, and we came up and we pioneered the church in South Portland. Then we had felt there was a time for a change, and so we came down here in uh, 68, was it, I think, and candidated, and uh, they said, come on, Bob, come with us, and uh, we want you to be our pastor. And so I counted a real privilege of being here uh, since 1968, I think, if I got it right. Yeah, I believe that's right. And uh, we were on Pearl Street, and... uh, uh, we were just, uh, the thing that I remember most was uh, the Jesus movement had begun throughout colleges at that time, and uh, 
charismatic prayer groups were coming out of various churches, some of the more uh, traditional churches, the Catholic Church. And I remember some things that happened uh, the back row of the church was filled with students that came from UNH and they came to the evening service. I remember one time especially the back rows were filled with a number of students and the Holy Spirit moved and there was a group of women that came from the Catholic charismatic gathering from Summersworth. <laughs> so they started laughing, they started singing, and uh, before I knew it, they were down at the altar, and uh, they were leaving their cigarettes there, and they were <laughs> manifesting in some different ways that I hadn't seen before, <laughs> but they were joyful, <laughs> and uh, some of them are still moving in the Holy Spirit today and that love Jesus. With, uh, with Pastor Bob, some history for you, just kind of Restoration Church history, Pastor Bob was the pastor of, of the church the Sunday that John Cerise came and gave his life to Jesus. So it was a pretty, pretty amazing legacy and heritage. Um, you guys don't know this story, and I, I, I've shared it with the church before, but Bob, Pastor Bob has one of the worst um, uh, entries into the church that I've heard of. So even in 75 years, when he moved into that parsonage that first week, that one of the deacons suggested to him to save all of his boxes. So he unpacked, and they said, well, you should keep those boxes, um, because the inference is you're not going to be here for very long. So it's a threat almost. Uh, Pastor Bob, we are, I've, I believe we can do this. We've got a couple of pictures to share from, from your time here. So they're going to pop those up. Um, so this is Bob here in the suit that Pastor John, the red suit that Pastor John always talks about. This is his wife, Doris, who's joining us um, here on the second row. And this was uh, just a couple of people um, there's a pastor in Oklahoma right now, Gerald Brooks, and you look just like him. So show us another picture. Uh, that's the parsonage that was there in Dover. Somewhere on this picture was supposed to be Bob and Doris standing in front of it, I think. But go to the next picture. So this is the family. So this young lady is here in the service this morning. And so we're excited for her to join us and then the whole family. Love, love the, the, the hat. Doris. Um, move to the next picture. There they are, standing in front of the parsonage. And uh, there's one with the handlebar mustache. I want to make sure we see. There it is. There it is. So good. And then I, I want to point out this picture for a second here because this is, again, a little, just a little bit of Restoration Church. Not every, everyone knows who you are, but I'm hoping she's in the Milton location this morning. This right here is a teenage Joyce Hillsgrove, at the time known as Joyce Orser. And uh, she is in Milton today with her daughters and her granddaughters. And so she, she, again, she was a second generation as her parents got married in the church in the 1950s. So I don't think there's any more pictures, are there? Nope. It's good. Well, thank you guys. Um, I, you know, it's been a privilege you know, none of you are anonymous to me, so it's not we just called up some names from 
from years ago. You are friends, and you are three people who I love very, very deeply. And I thank you so much. It's an honor to me that you're here. So just a couple of questions we want to talk through. I, I was wondering this, and this was one of the first questions I thought of when I messaged you guys a couple of months ago and asked if you'd come. Can you tell us about a miracle that God did while you were here serving in the church? I don't know if one of you wants to go first, and, and there's no pressure for everybody to answer. But Dave, maybe if you'd be willing to, okay. to go first. I know this is going to be a little bit of strange, uh, what I would, because I know when you think of miracles, we often think about God healing somebody or something to that effect, which there are a lot of those stories. To me, the greatest miracle was what God did in the congregation. I remember when I first came, uh, actually October of 96, and I uh, was working with Pastor Mac, and I could, and in those, those two years that I worked with him, um, the church had, had gone through such difficult transition in the previous uh, five, six, seven years, leaving Dover, losing all their property, going through a couple of different pastoral changes, and, and there was so much distrust on leadership, anger, and, and brokenness in the congregation. They had lost their joy. There was, no, there was no fun in Mudville, if you want to call it yeah. that way. I remember my very first day, October of 96, at the end of the service, being over on that side in Barrington, and I, I told a joke to somebody that I was standing and talking to, and I laughed out loud, and I remember everything just stopped, and everybody turned and looked to me like, what in the, who is that, and who let him in? Like, there was, it was so hard. And the day I was voted in, in January 11th, 99, I was met with anger. You know, when, you, when you, people come down front and they will say, congratulations, you got voted in. I was met with such anger about the, not towards me personally, but towards the pastoral changes that they had seen and the need for somebody to stay. And I remember going home that night and, and saying to Laura, Somebody is going to have to die for this congregation, and it's going to be me. And I don't say that to, to say anything to, to glory to me or nothing like that. I just knew somebody had to outlive the anger and the and the and the, and there's a few of you that were were here back then, and you know what I'm talking about. And those first four years were the most difficult years of my life. I remember every day praying for God to kill me because <laughs> it, it was the only escape I had because I couldn't abandon the church. I didn't want to be here. It was hard. People were so mean. It was difficult. You weren't the only guy that had a, <laughs> had a hard start. But I remember the day it turned around in 2004 when the last group, because each year we had a group that would leave. In 2004, the last group left that left and the spirit began to change in that church. And we began to see, I mean, in the meantime, we had seen wonderful victories. We saw God do healings and whatnot, but that's when the spirit of the church, the heart of the church began to turn around and the love was there and the joy returned and, and the excitement was there and the worship services were, were amazing. And yeah, the, to me, that was one of the greatest miracles that we had in, 
yeah, in this absolutely. in this congregation. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's a good that's a good reflection point. I know there are uh, a number of people here at every location who've been part of the church, um, you know, over 20 years, over 25 years. And, you're, you know, I remember, you think about that, you kind of forget. It's like losing weight. Like, you're, you're like, oh, I, you know, whatever, or gaining weight. I didn't know that happened so fast. But, the, uh, but you, you, as you think and reflect on that, like, oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> That's why I hated going to church when I was 12 years old. It was, a, it was miserable. People were miserable. But man, thank God that his mercies are new every morning. And, Do you remember yeah. how much they just despised teenagers? Do you remember that? Yeah. And uh, I remember I wasn't pastor just a few weeks, and, and I invited the youth to take a Sunday night service, because back then we had a Sunday night service, and I wanted the youth to lead it and do all the singing. And four people showed up. I've never been so mad. <laughs> I've never been so mad in my life because I always grew up where the church celebrated young people. But the, dis- the despise they had for teenagers was so overwhelming. And, and, uh, and I'm so grateful for uh, the work that not only you did, Glenn, but then Pastor Mick, uh, who followed you, and then um, Stephanie, before you came in, and uh, to, to be able to look up now and see the youth you know, leading in worship and being a part of so many different areas, they were not allowed to back then. They were not allowed to. So. Yeah. It was, uh, I, re- I remember you would, if you would share like, hey, you know, uh, three teenagers gave their life to church uh, at youth group, and then it would just be silent. And then people were like, you know, it was like almost inaudibly yell out like you know come back when they're adults and we know it's real like, it was like everything was like skepticism hey a five-year-old gave their life to christ and i remember knowing and i and i i remember on one sunday saying i was five years old when i gave my life to christ and i meant it i followed him every day since that well let's not minimize and and uh, certainly you guys have heard me say that in dover because it's still a raw point and i'll throw it out there every once in a while when a five-year-old gives their life to Jesus, that is a reason to celebrate. Heaven is going crazy. Yes, His church should be as well. Either of you guys got something you want to throw in? Well, well, it's uh, going back. I was raised, my folks were immigrants from Norway in 1929. And uh, I came along in 1936. And uh, when I went to college, few years after, during, after high school, uh, I was at Cornell and I had, had uh, there was a revival services going on in Ithaca, New York, and uh, there was an evangelist there, and uh, here I was, very quiet boy, all of a sudden, the evangelist prayed for me and I began to speak in other tongues and the spirit of God was upon me and, and I was like, all I felt, I didn't even feel the floor. It was so outstanding. And uh, it was during those times when I felt God had called me to be a, a pastor full-time or to, to, to go to Bible college and uh, it was those years of growing up and and uh, coming first 
to South Portland and then here. I might just touch on something that really shook the, uh, the city of Dover. Uh, was in the early stages of our ministry here. We had uh, numerous families, the Whedons, the Millers, and there was a lot of intermingling of the families, intermarriage and so forth. And, <laughs> uh, but I remember very vividly, uh, we had a tragedy. Uh, maybe you read about it years ago, but there was a tragedy in the, in the city where there were four teenagers and one of them has, was from our church and they had gone to a camp meeting and there they had um, overnight, they, all four of them became asphyxiated as they was right in the middle of the winter this time of the year and the, 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 the pipes, the exhaust pipes froze over and then there was a funeral and it was at the high school and I was ministering and it seemed as if the whole auditorium was moved upon by the Holy Spirit mm. in that moment. And I can remember the youth meetings after that, there was a, just a, a sense of revival. There was a sense of life is very short and we know not the day nor the hour. And uh, the tragedy that took place and we had a, numerous opportunities to share the Lord to the young people of the city. And even the, uh, the officials at Dover High School were moved upon in that service. And so we don't know what fruit came out of it in the long run, but God's people were touched. Yeah. And uh, it was something that moved upon just as one instance that I'd like to just share that. Yeah, you know, praise uh, God for you being the person there at that moment, the minister of grace, minister of Jesus. Yeah. Did you wear your red suit? Probably not. The red suit. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to add into that? I don't know. Well, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen. And he, the miracles he performed then are the miracles he's still performing today. Rebirth is a miracle. Yes. The fact that anybody can be reborn in their spirit is a miracle. It's just a miracle. And we need to stop and wonder and, and, and look back. And I think back upon the times around the altars. And, you know, we started off with only a few kids. Um, I think, you know, just, just, just you and maybe a couple of others. And, and uh, before long... Because of your hunger for God, wasn't anything that we did. And you know what? Programs are programs. But it's the spirit of the living God that makes the changes and makes the dynamics what they are and makes it worthwhile coming to. So the fact that we had 40 or 50 or even 60 kids coming on Friday nights in Barrington, New Hampshire, was a real miracle for me to watch. And I just remember, I'm just so impacted looking back upon the times when the Holy Spirit, to me, for the Holy Spirit to move on young people is a miracle. Mm -hmm. That they even receive it. You know, that they even have a, a mind for it or a heart for it. Well, these young people did. And I just recall the hunger they had around the altars in the youth area on that 
1970s shag orange carpet rug we had. I don't know where we got that, but it was free, you know? <laughs> and it was big. Uh, and it that said was a, 70s all over it. That was the Operation Blessing donation. They're like, you'd really bless us if you dig this huge ream of carpet. <laughs> so we went about building a youth area down there in that church and I'll never forget too another not really a miracle but we put a little ad out in the paper and we said if anybody's got any used fitness equipment bring it to the church bad move don't do that don't do that because you're going to have stuff show up that you're going to have to get rid of now so we had a little fitness area. We had um, the altar area and our sanctuary there. And, but I just recall the times and the miracle, the miracle to me was really just seeing you young kids on your knees before God, worshiping him with all of your heart. You were going through tremendous struggles in your own home. And the Holy Spirit was there for you then. And that was a miracle to me. Yeah. It's, a, it's a miracle to see what God has done through, through you. And um, so I just can't, you know, I, I also look back upon the times, and yes, other things happened. People were set free from demons. Yeah. It was demonic activity that the Holy Spirit, and how many know greater is he that's in us than he yeah. that's in the world, mm-hmm. and that we have authority over these unclean spirits. Yeah. And we can take authority, and we did. There was times that we had... Uh, on the floor in the sanctuary delivering people from d- demons yes. and how many know that that people are people people need this ministry today there's people that are demonically bound and I was one of them and it wasn't until the holy spirit did operation on me and that was another miracle cuz my father committed suicide while I was a youth pastor and uh that turned my whole world upside down overnight uh, and I carried, for the first few years, I carried a tumor, a spiritual tumor inside of me that was killing me. And I had a death wish over my own life. How many know there's generational sin that needs to be broken and can be broken? And there was generational sin of suicide in my family, of major depressive disorders, bipolar, whatever they call it, all that stuff. They, it, it, it's in my blood. But I'll never forget the day that the Holy Spirit moved. Pastor Mac was, and the people were laid out all over the floor. And I was resisting it and resisting it. And let me tell you, don't resist the Spirit of God. When he's moving on you, everything he wants to do for you and I is redemptive. Yeah. Everything he wants to do in us is restoration and wholeness. So don't resist it. Resist not the Spirit of God. Well, that night I decided to just let the Spirit of God have his way. And I remember being laid out on the floor and I felt the hand of God. Literally, just in the spiritual sense now, just literally open up my chest and so gently and so lovingly just take that big tumor of pain and anger and frustration and um, disappointment. And he just healed me. He set me free that night. I'll never forget that uh, moment with the Spirit of God. And those are the times I recall, times of refreshing that come from the hand of the Lord. And, and I just recall Pastor Mac. I just remember the times around the altar, the conventions, all these things that we think are just busyness. We never know when it's going to be that young person's time. We never know. And so press on. 
Press on because you never know in the ninth hour, in the tenth hour, in the eleventh hour, this child is going to come to the Lord and be set free, born again. So I'm, you know, that's ministry. Yeah. You know, it's wearying, it's tiring, but it's so worthwhile. It's yeah. so, you know, and that's what the Israelites cried. And, you know, one of the last things God said to, uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, one of the last things he said was, you have spoken some harsh things against me. And you have said in your heart, it's not worthwhile to serve God. It's useless to serve God. Well, you know, I battled that for a lot of years. And I'm here to tell you, it's worthwhile. Yeah, amen. It's worthwhile serving the Lord. His benefits are uh, far outweigh anything you'll find in this world. So the fact that God took 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60 kids around that altar, God only knows what he did. Only the eternity is going to tell what God did in those miracles around that altar. So let's open up the altar in our churches and let's continue to press on because it happens and it happens and it'll happen again. Yeah. Amen. That's a good word. Hallelujah. Good word. Amen. You know, there's, uh, there's some missionaries out of that youth group, some pastors out of that youth group, and uh, yeah, some pastors' wives out of that youth group. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good crop. It's a good crew. Um, let, me, let me ask you this question, all right? So this one's loaded. This one, sh- I think, should be fun. Tell me... Um, when you, when you were, and maybe this is one that we should do in a conference, not on a Sunday morning, but, but let's go for it. Tell me, gentlemen, what's something you wish you could have told the church when you were the pastor, but you couldn't because you were the pastor? Pay me more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, really, I really can't think of anything because I, I really felt like I was honest with them and I felt like I could be honest and sometimes uh, it wasn't received, and sometimes it was. But I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really, I can't think of anything. I've got a few. Uh, do, you, do you have any? <laughs> so, is there something that maybe that you wish you could have spoken into, something you could have addressed, but you just, you just didn't, you just didn't have the opportunity? Well, I think the, the brother there, Glenn, is it? You know, the, the whole area of demonic activity was something that I had, we had to deal with in our church, in the, in the group as, as such, and it was a blessing. I had even gone through some deliverance myself of old habits and old things that, you know, that didn't seem to pass away until I was older and settled down, but there was a, there was a move of spirit. We had times... Uh, when people were laying on the floor, crying out to God. And I uh, remember we had uh, David Crabtree down for a week, I think, or maybe he even was with us two weeks from Nova Scotia. He, his dad was uh, quite a preacher up in Maine. Probably some of you know of him. Yes. And uh, it was... Uh, our, our young people were struggling and, and there were some deliverances taking place in their hearts and lives. But the ministry was well balanced and, and uh, appreciated the ministry of evangelism. And it was those early days, the district uh, at that time had a camp meeting, had a camp 
up in Long Lake Bible Camp. And it was, we had the privilege to bring our youth group up there. And I remember one night, the youth group just flowed up into the altar. Thank God for the altar, the change that took place in their hearts. They had gotten away from their parents for a while, and they were up there, and my wife was uh, a counselor. I was a counselor, and uh, we had, we wasn't sure how to do it all, the counseling, but during the recreation, they were ready to come at night and worship, and uh, we had gone up there a number of summers building a huge tabernacle. You couldn't, if you've never seen it, it was a huge, monstrous building. But God blessed it. It was a sawdust floor. It was just a very common, old-fashioned type meeting place. Amen. And uh, those days were precious. They were precious to us. Amen. Yeah. Um, To be fair... I, you know, I said um, uh, a moment ago that what that if I had something to say to the church, so listen, people are going to ask me, what would you say to the church if you were pastor? <laughs> so, yourself up so there, listen, buddy. let me just say this while everybody's joining us online and everybody's here. We have to stop fighting about such stupid things as mass and politics and using all these things to keep us from gathering together as a church. All right. So I've been very gracious with you, but that's the thing we've got to say. We have to unite together, not keep separating ourselves. I know some of you are joining on the line. Not everybody's able to join in on the line, but some people are able to. And so the one thing I'd say as a pastor, even though I couldn't, is get your butt in church. It's time. We've got to rally together and show people what the beacon on the hill, a city of hope, looks like when there's no place to look for for hope. So that's the, I've said it, and so I'll be... Uh, yeah, so there we did Church it. has no pl- business yes. living in fear. Yeah. We, we can't yeah. live in fear. And we have to be an example to the world sometimes. And you know, sometimes you're going to step out on a limb and it, you, you might get bit, but, you know, overall, you just have to learn to trust God. You have to use wisdom too. But. Yeah. Well, listen, let me speak into your guys' lives for a little bit um, as we're, you, you know, we're kind of coming to an end. I want to share with you... Um, Something that you've left in me. All right? So, um, you know, I'm not paying lip service when I say that I love you guys and honor you and look up to you. Bob, before I ever knew you existed, I just thought you were one of the names in the church's history. So I just knew you as a name, and I looked up to you before I ever met you. Because in the list of pastors... All of a sudden, it's two years, two and a half years, three years in the histories of our church. All of a sudden, there's Bob Oldberg, nine years. And before, you know, Dave's new, I'm new. So 2004 is my first year. I finished my first year, and that's only been four or five years for you at the church at that point. And, And then, oh, there's this guy, Bob Oldberg, that stayed nine years. I'm going to beat Bob Oldberg. I'm going to stay at the church longer than Bob Oldberg did. And so that was our goal. So both Dave and I now, at this point, we've been lead pastor longer than you. So Dave was 13 years, and, and I've, I've crossed 10 years now as lead pastor. But that was always my goal. And the thing 
that you deposited in me, again, before I ever knew you, was longevity. And I remember Jesus. when I finally had the chance to meet you, I, it was like I met a YouTube celebrity, all right? <laughs> I, I, met, I met Essential Craftsman, or I met Musty One, and, and it's like we were at this Christmas party, sectional Christmas party, and then it was uh, Bob Oberg, and I'm like, I know who you are. And I'm like, can I sit with you? Can we be friends? And it was maybe a year or two after that where you had finally moved and settled into Dover and you started attending here. And it's been absolute. My greatest privilege is wow. being your pastor and having you here. So that's something that you put in me. And so 17 years now as part of the pastoral staff at, at the church. But, that, but, but you, you did that for me. So all those years, you're like, why the heck am I fighting? Why don't I leave? Why am I staying longer? Yeah. Um, well, that was why, because God wanted to, to, to do that in us. And for, you know, for Dave to know that someone else did it, he could do it, you know, that four-minute mile mentality. And, um, and then just for me to, to never, never look for, you know, uh, the you know, grass is greener somewhere else, not to have that mentality, but just believe God leads me to the green pastures. And this is the green pasture he's led me to. And, uh, and if, when that's end, he'll be another green pasture. So I want to thank you for that. Pastor Glenn, I, I think we, uh, you know, in our conversations, you're like, uh, the one thing that's, that's new in my life is I just want to reach people for Jesus. And I'm like, um, you've always been that way. And we kind of had it back and forth. I said, well, I'll talk to you about it later. <laughs> this is why, because I had this written down. Here's what you did for me. It was a passion for people who are far from God. And so think back, you know, when I was 15 years old, Instead of us, do, you know, just goofing off as a youth group, what did we do? We all loaded up. We would go to the Rochester Commons, and we would just have conversations with people about Jesus. And then, we, and then once we did that, then we'd have a devotional, and then we'd play games. But that was why we're going there. Scared the tar out of me. I was afraid. Then you bring us to New York City, and... Um, I was scared out of my mind, it's, but here we are in New York City, for whatever reason, they make us put my makeup on, and then we have to walk around and talk to gang members about Jesus, but we did it, and I was scared out of my mind, but it, but it helped me, it just put something in me as a young teenager, church isn't about church people, We're, we have been saved to... Um, to share Jesus. And, and Pastor Bob said this morning, he said this morning, um, we're, we're a testament of God's grace. That's the only thing we're good for. <laughs> and so this, so there's, nothing, there, there's nothing worthwhile in our life that we can co- contribute or do or accomplish in our life except be a testimony of what God's done in our life. And uh, I was going to say, you're good for more than that. I wanted to encourage you, but I'm like, that's true. That's what we are, and, and as we're still here, that's our, that's our purpose. Pastor Dave, first, thank you for hiring me. You, you know, I think that was a, a real generous, but yeah, so that's a, uh, but the, the thing about that is the thing that you, that you did in me, the thing that you changed in me was generosity, and as I, wit- as I was a beneficiary of that many times, but as I witnessed it, it was never, you were never generous to get something from someone else. It was because of who you are. And that was not me. You know, we, it was five kids. It was in the house I grew up with. It was, we fought for what we had and we protected what we have. And, um, you, you know, and, and I was selfish. I'm still selfish. 
but your generosity I witnessed and I, and I tried to emulate and I pushed myself and I stretched myself. And that was something that I witnessed and watched and admire you for and I'm still striving to, to be as generous as, as you were, as you are. So I thank you for that. I, uh, I love you guys very much. Uh, you've made many sacrifices to Restoration Church over the years. We are here. We're here in Plymouth and Milton Church Online. The people who've been saved since um, uh, you guys served, it's all here because of you being faithful to the assignment you were given. Because you didn't, because you, you didn't quit, you, you waited and, and maintained the assignment that God gave you, that we've experienced this. You've been a blessing, and you're a part, and the, it's, this is the, the 401k that you forgot about. It's still gaining interest for you guys. There's still crowns building up in heaven for you, and I appreciate that. I want to give you, a, I want to give you guys a gift. We got a financial gift for each of you just to say um, thank you for, for all the years of sacrifice, for all the pay raises that you didn't take that you should have. Um, for the Christmas bonuses that were forgotten about, for the pastor appreciations gifts that were forgot about, um, just as a small way to say, as a church, we honor you, and we're thankful for you, and, um, and we love you. you. Give it up for these guys. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. I appreciate so much your ministry it's affected my family my, my my daughter and we have grandchildren here great grandchildren and they're you know there's uh, five or six great grandchildren little babies that are here who would have thought <laughs> yeah over the years, development, the girls, the grand girls that are coming, Robin's girls made a place here in the church, and we appreciate your openness to the family. Yeah, Dave's got a grand, some grandkids here that are part of Restoration Church as well. That's good. That's awesome. Um, church, let me say this, you know, you got to see a little bit of the behind the curtains and you would think like, why would I ever want to be a part of a church? You know, hear all these terrible stories. <laughs> there is a joy of being committed to one church body yes. for the, the season of your life that you're in an area. So I've been part of Restoration Church, 35 years, 34 years. My wife has been over 20 years. And you, there's a, there's a lot of, there's disagreements that happen. There's challenging seasons that happen. But it shows, again, the grace, the testimony of Jesus that you maintain that relationship through that. Instead of leaving every time you're offended, instead of leaving every time something you don't like, what happens is, one, God grows you through that. God grows his church through that. And, and you end up with the privilege of lifelong friendships, of, of, of years of testimonies. And so I just want to 
kind of encourage you with that. Our church is not perfect. You, you know, we could put you on the stage. You're going to share stories from last week, and that's, you know, but we, but we maintain that, and we allow God to, to grow us, and, and we learn how to forgive. We learn how to give grace. We learn how to give mercy, and those are lessons you don't learn if you just leave. Yeah. Well, I want to pray for you guys, and then the band is going to come and, and close us out in service. Um, it's the first service here. I've got my four boys with me in the service. I was wondering if you guys would be willing to come on stage and help me to pray for these guys, if you want to. Cool. So um, we always say one day we're going to hand this ministry over to one of the kids in the nursery. And, uh, and I'm not saying it's going to be one of my kids, but it, um, and that's up, to, that's up to the Lord and up to the voting body of Restoration Church. But uh, guys, could you each get behind one of them and put your hands on them? But now, are you willing to pray on the microphone? Yes? Take off your mask, and then each of you get behind one of the pastors. Do you want to pray? Yeah. All right, sure. Well, then we let Benai, why don't we let Benai go first. You put your hands on Pastor Dave. And um, church, will you join me? Extend your hands forward, even online. Will you join us in praying? Benai, will you pray first? Right into the microphone. Jesus, we've seen you do many great things in this church. Um, you've moved through a lot of people, and um, I, we all pray that you'll keep this church going for another 75 years and more, and that millions of people will be their lives will be changed here in Restoration Church and in many other churches. And that the people here that aren't believing in you and they're sad and angry, that they'll come up in stage and ask for prayer from the prayer team and they'll give their life to you today. Amen. Asher, you want to pray? God, I pray that um, everybody here will invite more than one person, 12 maybe, um, as much as they want, and that we'll, uh, someday we'll have so many people, we'll have to go under the construction and make this church bigger. Amen. Jesus, I thank you for, for, I thank you for these men and for, their, and for their, their heritage that they've left us at Restoration Church. Each of them doing their part, each of them depositing something special here in this church, each of them depositing something special within my heart. God, I would not be able to, to, to I, would not, I would not be able to do this without them, and, and I, I thank you so much for their friendship. I pray for deep blessings on their life. God, there are prayers, they're praying to you, and I ask for you to answer them, Lord, that they'll see your hand move. Um, in in their in their in their calling, Lord, we know that the callings of God are without repentance. They, they they you don't take them back, and so God, there's there's prayers in their heart about that, and I I pray I pray you speak to them, God. And, you know, even Bob as he's um, about to hit halfway through his 80s, God, you're not done with him yet, and God, speak to him about what it is and what the assignment is for right now. And God, for just all those prayers that are just between you and them, we ask you, Lord, to speak to them, to answer them. And God, may they, may they experience all of that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, please.
Put your hands together and love on these guys. Thank you guys. Yeah, yeah, we're good.